Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mindful Narcissist podcast. I'm your host, the Mindful Narcissist, and I think I've timed this recording to avoid the train uh, in the background this time. Today, I want to chat about photos, old photographs. I've collected old postcards for a while, specifically ones with writing on the back, and over the summer, I branched out into old photos as well. I I don't do much of them, I kind of just keep them around. I use some of my old postcards in a rhizoprint, rhizoprint, whatever, that I made recently, and I do want to start using some of the old photographs as well, and I love tracing like old handwriting and using that in pieces, but I mostly just really love having them. Every thrift store that I go to that has a box full of old photos, I have to pick up a few. I got some recently here in Texas, and my friend sent me a couple as a birthday present. I, I'm just obsessed with them, and that is what we're talking about today. There's this essay called Light Speaking, Notes on Poetry and Photography by V. Penelope Pelizon. Pelizon? That's how I'm going to say it. From the May 2013 edition of Poetry Magazine. Actually, funny story about how I got that publication. Uh, my friend found it in a thrift store and thought it would be perfect for me, but also wanted it for herself. So she asked me if I wanted it for my birthday present on the condition that I was going to have to return it to her so that she could read it, or if I wanted something else for my birthday and to just borrow the book from her when I was home sometime. And I just thought it was really funny, the idea of the birthday present that had to be returned, and also I have too many books and kind of liked the idea of a gift that I was going to get to enjoy, but not keep. And anyway, I just thought the whole thing was funny and it brought me joy and I chose to have it as my birthday present that I had to return. So the author talks about the abundance of photographically inspired poems. Turns out there are a lot of us that are obsessed with old photos. Pelletson says that first she considered poems about photos to be examples of ekphrasis or the genre that consists of, quote, verbal representation of visual representation. Poems are a time-based media where visual arts tend to be spatial and static. So an ekphrastic poem brings a static to life in another dimension, releasing it from the confines of space. But she goes on to say, quote, I now think that photo poems are not really ekphrastic. Photographs don't derive their essence from their spatial quality. They exist in space, of course, but a photograph, like a poem and unlike a painting, depends on time. A photo's essence is that millisecond caught by the shutter, an instant that often gains power and meaning the further we move away from it. As Wright Morris puts it, the photo authenticates for us time's existence, not the ruin of time, nor the crowded tombs of time, but the eternal present in time's every moment. From this continuous film of time, the camera snips the living tissue, end quote. So there's this term, punctum, that's meant to describe, quote, the subjective, often trivial details that in some photos wound a viewer by attesting to the actual instant caught there, end quote. It's a trigger that, like, reminds us that in these photos there's a life that has passed, that in the photo is still present. That contradiction there, that coexistence of life and death, past and present. Pelletson says, quote, This, I believe, is why we surround ourselves with photos. They're so loaded with time that we must domesticate them, and thereby render them mundane, or will be crushed, end quote. Another relevant phrase here is the anterior future, which is the photographic tense in which you can see a photo of someone that has passed on, and it's true to say both that they are dead and that they are going to die. Again, that coexistence of life and death within the photograph. 
she makes a new term for these photographically inspired poems, a new genre, the lucifrastic. It's kind of a mix between ekphrasis, ekphrasis, geez, these words, ekphrasis and, you know, light, loose. She defines it as, quote, a verbal representation of a photograph that emphasizes the photo's time-filled status. In a photograph, quote, a dash of time is caught, held, and continues to generate energy that may intensify as more layers of time accrue around it. Both traditional printed photographs and digital pixels on a screen can crush us with the calm and unmoving ongoingness they hold. I'm just going to keep quoting a ton here because this was the bit of the essay that really got me in terms of the pull of these old photographs for me. And she just said it really well. So, here we go. Quote, But how loudly images cry out for narrative. How temptingly these bits of time's tissue lure. No wonder poets are drawn to vernacular photographs. Those found images of ordinary people doing unremarkable things snapped by unknown cameras. Who hasn't seen shoeboxes full of those pictures at flea markets or junk shops and felt an itch of curiosity? Often the photos seem boring, and yet, and yet, once you start looking, you're trapped. Who is this child, and who says there are no ugly babies? What's around that woman's head? Are these this man's actual teeth? On his neck, Adam's apple or goiter? An hour later, your palms are gray with dust and your Saturday reverie has been displaced by an electrical thrill at having grazed some deep-dwelling nerve at the core of existence, or, conversely, by existential horror at the repetition and vacuity of all human endeavor. Part of the vernacular photo's appeal is what's not there. No art, no masterly gaze, no decisive moment, no visual signature. Just a snip of time, compelling for making time visible. Glitches in technique can enhance this authenticity. Blurry pictures help us see time's passage because, as Morris remarks, they suggest the transient role of humans among relatively stable objects. And vernacular photos offer a reprieve from digital perfection. Today, anyone with a camera phone can create thousands of gorgeous images. The result is what Teju Cole calls a disaster of meaningless clarity. Instead, vernacular photos give us tentative gestures, tenuous glimpses. End quote. See? I just, sometimes I read things like this and I wish I was a writing person, a person that knew how to make words sound good next to each other. But anyway, I was on residency in Greywood Arts in Killa in Cork recently, and I was doing curatorial research relating to the archive and documentation in the arts, specifically with performance art. And something that really stuck out to me in the research I did there was a statement that the archive is characterized by what is not there either what is intentionally omitted in curating the archive or what cannot be shown or what has been lost. Kind of similarly to what was said there, you know, the quote, part of the vernacular photo's appeal is what's not there. Or part of the appeal of any of these photos is what's not there. The narrative, the context that is missing. The fact that that's not there, I think, is the appeal to me. I wouldn't be this drawn, I think, to photos of my ancestors. I wouldn't want to go on a treasure hunt and piece these people's stories together. The appeal is that I don't know. The only thing I know is that these people who are now anonymous, largely forgotten, were once full people with full lives, like me. And when I have the postcards, actually, um, one of my purchases right after moving here was an autograph book. I think like the autograph pages of in high school yearbooks, but it was a book just for that no photos. 
from like the 40s. I think it was for a high school graduation as well. It was Wanda's book. Wanda seems to have a fella. She's getting married too soon. That's referenced in a lot of the notes. But it's full of notes from her teachers and friends and classmates. And it's such a small snippet of her full narrative. And I love the narrowness of it and how expansive that makes it. Does that make sense? The contradiction, the coexistence. And I like thinking of myself in that way. I like thinking that someday I'm going to be gone and largely forgotten. To be clear, I do very much want to be well known in my lifetime, obviously, but I, I don't really have any desire to have a lasting legacy. I don't mind if my legacy dies when I do. I want to fade back into anonymity after my death. And I hope some version of this, what I do, you know, harvesting these photographs, postcards, etc. I hope some version of that still exists in the future, where someone who has no knowledge of me, no relation to me at all, can stumble upon some relic of me and have this very small peek into my life that gives them the freedom to invent whatever else they like, or just to go no further. Like, I don't really tend to speculate any further narrative of these people myself. I just really love this intimate, small glimpse into an otherwise unknown life. I don't know. I probably, I probably have over a hundred of these photos now. I need to start actually making art with them. Or not. I just, I love having them. I really love having them. It's weird, maybe. Is it weird? I really love the baby photos. Oh, they're so cute. Except for the ones that aren't. Like Pellet Sunset as well. There are ugly babies, but it's okay. Thank you so much for coming along for another quick chat. If anyone else is obsessed with old photos or just like old things in general, antiques, etc., I'd love to talk about that. Slide into my DMs, please. And like, if you have any old photos, send me pictures. A friend sent me an old, old, old family picture with all of those family members' signatures on the back a while ago. And just, oh. Man, old handwriting on photos just does something to my heart. I love it. So yeah, send me that stuff. Just a reminder that you can still sign up for my little zine club anytime before the end of the month if you want to get in on November's issue. Now that I'm saying that, I should totally make a zine with some of my old photos sometime. Noted. That is now on my radar. Um, but for your first month, you also get a fun introductory uh, mini-zine. You can also just sign up to be a general patron if you like the podcast and want to offer some support but not receive a zine. Both tiers are €4.50 or $5.00. US and the link is patreon.com forward slash themindfulnarcissist. You can follow me at CaitlinW for daily Mindful Narcissist content. I want to say we're back to daily now. I've gotten into the swing of my life enough. Or at the Mindful Narcissist if you want an um, almost non-existent at this point weekly reminder that a new episode has indeed gone up. I'm very, very behind, but sure look. As always, like, share, review, all that good stuff, and my DMs, as I said, are always open. See you next week for another chat. Mwah.